you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. of the Lord today. I'm glad you're here. We have guests here. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Amen. What a great week we have had. I just want to pause for a moment and and say thank you to all of you. Last week, of course, we were coming through the awakening, moving into this this past week. And, you know, we, we don't say a lot least I, I need to say we don't say nearly enough uh, a great big thank you to all of those that work behind the scenes all of our cleaning staff and everybody that puts things back together all through our revival services day after day and uh, of course coming through this weekend and we had an incredibly busy week this past week even and uh, our staff after given a week of revival services moved into a week of um, just compiled with all sorts of meetings, moving the church forward. And then yesterday, uh, most of our staff on location yesterday from early morning through some to 9 o'clock last night and after. And I just want to say thank you to all of you that make CLC what it is and keep CLC moving forward. Amen. If you have your Bibles today, I want to get your attention into the word of the Lord. Romans chapter number 8 and Acts chapter 26. My wife is feeling some better than she was yesterday evening. And um, with much prayer, we are hoping she's able to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And uh, believing God's going to touch and strengthen her. Romans chapter 8, verse number 38. And Acts chapter 26 beginning with verse number 21. I'll start with Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded, everybody say, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Acts chapter 26, verse 21. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple 
and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer and that he should be first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Verse 24, And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king, for the king even knoweth the things before whom also things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, he calls him out now, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Verse 28, then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I need the help of the Lord today because I feel that I am on assignment from God. I want to speak to everybody that's in this room this morning. And I don't want to leave one stone left unturned. But every heart being open to the word of God to speak deep into your spirit today. Now I have a question and it's my subject for this message this morning. Are you fully persuaded? Are you, not your neighbor, not your mom, your dad, your friend, your relative, are you fully persuaded? Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning in need of your help, in need of your spirit, in need of your strength. God, I pray for inspiration of the Holy Ghost to rest upon me as I preach the word of the Lord today. I pray for the spirit of the Lord to move upon the heart of every hearer that is in this house, that your word, oh God, would find a place that it would speak so clearly into the mind and hearts of every person in this room. God, that there would be some that make decisions today to follow you. We give you honor in all things, in Jesus' name. Turn to about two people around you and ask them, are you fully persuaded? Go ahead, turn to somebody, ask them, are you fully persuaded? Over the last few days, particularly with the current events in Eastern Europe, Russia invading Ukraine, of course, is at the top of the news, every newscast. My mind has rested upon the signs of the end time. I generally have concerns with those who try to use current events as an opportunity to stir the emotions or even the fear 
of what is happening around us in the minds and hearts of people to try to manipulate our emotions and force people to make emotional decisions and not rational decisions, to force people to make decisions based on scare tactics. I'm never in favor of those things. I believe that we should sit down and we should consider. We should study the scripture and we should be fully persuaded. Before I get very far into this lesson this morning, I want to say to those of you who may be in this room that may not be well versed in scripture, maybe you don't know a lot about the church, maybe you don't know a lot about the things of God, I want to invite you, before I ever preach this message today, I want to set this thought in your mind. There is an opportunity, we offer an opportunity here at Christian Life Church for you to get involved in something that will help you understand. We have Bible study teachers all across this congregation this morning that have been trained and well versed in scripture. They'll sit down with you, teach you the scripture, teach you what the Bible says, answer your questions, help you understand the Bible, help you understand what is happening in the world around you. So that's my commercial break this morning. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind today because if you, if you are wondering, if, you, if you're not fully persuaded in your mind today, I want you to leave with an opportunity. And know this pastor did more than just pulled on heartstrings today, but that I gave you an opportunity and a pathway to be able to know more than what you knew when you walked in the doors of this building. Now, I don't consider myself a prophecy buff at all. I know very little about end-time prophecy, and that's my choice. My focus has been in other areas of, of study and scripture and other areas of ministry. So I don't consider myself uh, the, the, the all-knowledgeable in prophecy, but I do know enough about Bible prophecy to see that the bear of the north is, has risen. Daniel 7 talks about the bear coming forth with three ribs. Remember, everything's typology. With three ribs in his mouth and who those three ribs are, what nations those three ribs may be, I'm not sure, but it appears that Russia has come and attacked Ukraine and has hit it at the, at the very core and perhaps one of the ribs may already be in the bear's mouth. Now, I, I'm not going to teach or preach this morning on prophecy, but there is one thing that is for certain, that everything that we see happening in the world today could very, very quickly escalate. And we could see the Third World War on the horizon. I'm not here prophesying that that's what's going to happen. But I know enough about Bible prophecy to know that I'm not seeing many dynamics missing than what I see in Scripture with what could unfold over the next few weeks or even the next few months or the next few days. Regardless of all of those things today, my point is that I do believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ and I do believe that His coming is very, very near. 
And regardless where you stand on Bible prophecy and what you believe, this much I do know in the Scripture, and that is that Jesus Christ is returning to take his bride. And I want to be part of that. The Bible says that no man knows the day nor the hour. But the, the one thing that we do know is that the Lord will return for his church. And in order for us to be ready, we must make our calling and election sure. We must know that we know without a shadow of a doubt. Should the Lord return? Should the world reach an end? Or should we, you or I, be taken out by disease or by accident? In an instant, in a moment, our life be taken from us without any, uh, without any ability to see what was coming or to know what was going to happen. Should that happen? There is one thing that this preacher came to this pulpit this morning to preach to this congregation. I felt so firmly secure in the word that I was bringing this morning as the Lord began to unfold it over this past week, confirming it so powerfully last night with what he wants to do in this building today. I want you to know today that if you don't know that you know that you are ready, don't leave this house this morning without making sure that you are ready when the Lord calls you out of here. We must be fully persuaded. If today we were given an account, we were called to give an account for our souls, my question for you today is, would you be ready? My mind, of course, rests upon the text that I read into your hearing from the book of Acts, the 28th chapter, when the Apostle Paul is speaking and giving his testimony. And King Agrippa said to Apostle Paul when he asked him the question, uh, King Agrippa, uh, do you believe? I know, I know, King Agrippa, I, I, I've spoken too many things to you, and I know, King Agrippa, but King Agrippa, being uh, surrounded by so many other things that was weighing him and pulling him, the king looks at the apostle Paul and he says to him, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I want you to know today that whether you choose to respond in this service today, uh, whatever steps you choose to take today, uh, it, it's, it's up to you. I can't make that for you. But this pastor this morning wants nothing more than every person under the sound of my voice. Be you an online listener or be you in this room today. This pastor wants nothing more than every person to leave here today assuredly knowing that you are ready to meet the Lord should he call you home. That is my assignment today. That is what God has asked of me today. And I stand in this pulpit this morning and tell you, search your heart that you can be fully persuaded. I want to point out to you that Satan knows exactly how to distract you or surround you with pressures that would cause you to say like King Agrippa, I'm almost persuaded. I am almost there. I could almost make a decision today. He wants you to be satisfied with 
almost. The voices of this world will do everything they can to drown out the overpowering message of the gospel that I am going to preach to you on this, on this Sunday morning. It is the very thing that has the power to save you. There may be some in this room today who will reject and will not hear what this message is saying to you simply because you were distracted by too many things in this world. That's up to you. I'm giving you an opportunity this morning to tune out the, 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 the calls of this world, the recruiters of this world that are calling for your attention, that are calling for your time, that are calling for your life. I call to you this morning and tell you it's up to you. It is a choice that you can make. This is a work of the enemy to keep you in a lost condition. Yet you sit in this service this morning almost ready to make a decision. Perhaps somebody this morning is so close to hearing the word of the Lord. Somebody may almost hear from God, but you will miss what he is trying to speak into your heart. You, I, I just want you to understand. I wish I could just rip open and show, rip open my chest this morning and show you the heart with which I walk to this pulpit and the burden in which I walk to this pulpit with this morning. You don't have to live another day without being ready to meet the Lord. There seems to be an attitude that is even, it is even spread seemingly into the church world today that silently says that association is close enough. Being a member is good enough. Showing up to church is good enough. Talking about God is good enough. Having some sort of spiritual sense is good enough. Some want to hang out close enough to the church that they can sense and feel the presence of God but live with a heart that is so very far from Him. Let me say to you today that being almost saved will not get you saved. To be almost saved as King Agrippa, being almost persuaded, almost saved is altogether lost. Satan is happy when we're almost ready to make a decision. In Acts chapter 26, we see one of the saddest incidents in the whole entire Bible. The apostle Paul preached to King Agrippa, and in his own words, the king looks at the apostle Paul and uses the words that echo throughout the eons of time, almost. Paul I am almost persuaded, yet completely lost. I want you to know that God's word will always be accomplished. And the purpose for which he has sent it will always be done. But somehow today, I hope from the heart of this pastor that it shows through to every person in this room to feel and to hear what I am saying from my heart this morning. Don't be lost. Everybody in this room has an opportunity to be saved. One act of Calvary potentially saved the entire world. 
I know what some may be thinking today. Some may be in this room today saying, but pastor, you don't know where I've come from. Pastor, you don't know what I have done. Pastor, you don't know what my past may look like. Pastor, you don't know the things that I have hidden under the surface while I appear to be religious and I appear to be living like I should be. But pastor, you don't really know what is going on in my heart and in my mind. Maybe some here came here today with a load of guilt that is upon you. I want to speak to those that came guilty today. I want to speak to those that feels the weight of the guilt of sin upon you this morning. You don't have to leave here with the load of guilt upon your shoulders today. You don't have to leave here with the weight of that guilt. Oh, that's not who I used to be. Who I used to be is not who I am. But that guilt is still there. And the thoughts and the remembrances are still there. Let me introduce you to one today that can not only remove the sin, not only forgive you, but he can remove the stain and the guilt of that sin in your life. That thing that weights you town. I come today to introduce you to a Lord and Savior today that can take the guilt that is associated with that sin and remove it. Oh yes, his name, his name is Jesus. And I want you to understand today that he loves you more than even this pastor could love you or your family could love you or your spouse could love you or your closest friend could love you. He loves you with the love of God that encompasses, it, it, it reaches far beyond even our thoughts and imaginations for the love of God goes so far beyond our understanding and our comprehension. The love of God took him to the cross where he shed his blood for you and for me. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. He loves you and he came to save us from our sins. He died in our stead so that you and I can live. He didn't come to take life away from us. The Bible said he came that we may have life and have a more abundant life. The desire of God is not to take everything that brings joy and happiness in your life and take it from you, for you to live a life of drudgery and despair and misery. As a matter of fact, he wants to give you a more abundant life in place for the life of misery and drudgery and despair that many people in this world live with. I want you to know this morning that he can give you a life. He can set you on a new road. He can put you on a new path of life and life more abundantly. It's what Jesus does. If I could persuade you today to just simply turn your life to him, he will receive you. He's not going to reject you or turn you away. It doesn't matter if you've dealt rejection with rejection all through your life. He's not going to reject you. He loves you. 
Pastor, you don't know who I am. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. He loved you while we were. Here's what the Bible says. While we were yet sinners, not after we had been made holy and righteous. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you and I. He died for the ungodly. He died for the sinner. If I could persuade you and cause you to realize how much he loves you, and if I could persuade you to repent of your sins this morning, here's what repentance is. Repentance is simply asking God, asking God to forgive your past. It is a decision in your mind. It is a persuasion in your mind to say, I have been walking down the wrong path. I want to turn around and begin a new path. And the new path is the path in which God would have me walk. That is repentance. It deals with the mind, the heart of the individual, the way, the direction that one is going in saying, I will turn around and go the other direction. Living a repentant life is wonderful. It's better than the other life. Many people repent of their sins and they make a turn and they start down the new path, the new repented path, and they live a repented life. But you can only go so far down that road until the cares of the world begin to come upon you because while you're walking that repented life, that that life that you have rejected, you're going to deal with guilt because all the things that, that God has forgiven you from are still going to haunt you and still going to remind you of all the areas that you are not what you ought to be and all the people you hurt and the ways that you wronged people and did things wrong and all of those reminders and the guilt and you will become overloaded with the guilt. Yet, God has forgiven you. This is the difference. This is the defining difference in your life. I don't want to minimize repentance because it is so very, so very important. We understand that it all begins with faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. So the first thing that you and I must do First is believe in God and believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him, meaning He's not going to reject us. He's going to draw us to Him. No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. And so that drawing of the Spirit, that calling of the Spirit, that tug at our heart is all God saying, bring all of your cares to me. Come cast all of your burden and all of your pain and all of your stress and everything in your life. Come bring it to me. And when you do so, then the opportunity to repent, to turn your heart, to change your mind. I'm going a new direction. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I'm going down a new path. God is faithful and just. If you repent, he is faithful and just to forgive sin. Everybody say this with me. He's faithful and just to forgive sin. Now say that means me. And that means my sin. Good. Class is doing good this morning. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins. So when he forgives our sin, we start walking down the road of, of a repented life. But 
guilt is still there. He's forgiven, but guilt is still there. The burden of, 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 of all of the things in our past is still there. And we also have no more power than human power. We have no more power to, all we do, we made a decision and we're walking in human and fleshly ability. We're walking within our own cognitive ability to say no to sin, to say no to the past life. And, 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 and nothing wrong with this, it's all good. But you are lacking any supernatural or spiritual power to be able to overcome, to live in this sinful world and continue to live above sin. So that's why the world wants to tell you you're going to always be the person that you've always been. It's because they may understand repentance, but they don't understand what happens beyond repentance in the Scripture. Because in this Bible, in this Holy Scripture, repentance is the first work. After faith and believing comes repentance. Then the Bible says... When Peter, was, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, when the people were asking, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? The apostle Peter stands up. Acts chapter 2 is the scriptural reference. He stands up and he says, repent. But he didn't stop there. He said, and, what did he say? Be baptized. What is baptism about? He says, be baptized, every one of you. That, that, that means baptism is not just for a select few. It, baptism is not just for one or two. Baptism is not just for the children. Baptism is not just for the, those that have been living holy and righteous. He said, be baptized, every one of you. The class did good a minute ago. I want you to say that with me. Be baptized, every one of you. Say, so that means me. All right, now we're going to move on. So, said be baptized. What happens at baptism? What is the purpose of baptism? The Bible said baptism doeth now also save us. It is, it is the washing and regeneration that happens within us. Here is the purpose of baptism. After we repent, why can't one just be repented and live a repented life? Well, because you have nothing beyond just repentance and the life of a, of a decision that you have made. You're living under the, the ability and the power of your flesh, of your willpower. But now, at the point of repentance, all of the guilt that is associated with your past and with all, all everything that is associated with the sins of your past are washed away by the blood of Jesus. Watch, watch. Now we have a baptismal tank over here. It's got a lid on it. Water's warm. We have robes in the back. You can make a decision to be baptized today. We'll be glad to get you all set up. Come baptize. You can get back in your street clothes nice and dry. Go home. Go out. Eat. Celebrate. The church is going to celebrate with you. All those things. So I want to set that to rest. But I want to talk about what baptism does in your life. Because here's what baptism does in your life. So you repented, God forgave you, but the guilt associated with sin is still there. You still deal with all of the thoughts of who I was, who I hurt, what I did wrong. But at the point of baptism, those sins are, the Bible uses this word, remitted. You know, I was quoting that scripture that the apostle Peter said when they said, men and brother, what must we do? Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. He says, repent and be baptized to every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For 
the remission of sins. That word remission, you know what remission means. Remission means to stop. If someone has cancer, doctor says you are in remission. It means that all the work and the function of cancer in your body has stopped. It is no longer having an effect. It has been remitted. Here's what happens. The sin in your life no longer has an effect at baptism. It is stopped. It is ended. The Bible said that baptism is for the washing away or the removal of sin. That means all the guilt that is associated, the things in your mind, the things that keep you awake at night, all the things that you are uh, connect your past with. When you go down in water baptism, it's more than going down uh, dry and coming up wet and saying, woohoo, I was baptized. But there is something that happens in the supernatural realm. Because when you go down in water baptism, you come up more than just coming up wet. When you go under, the blood of Jesus is applied to your life. It washes away the guilt that is associated with that sin. Every effect of that sin, it is washed away. It is removed. You come up out of that water and your past no longer exists in the eyes of God. Is there anybody that can witness that? Anybody back in the back that can witness that this morning? That your sins have been removed and washed away at the point of baptism. They're gone. Doesn't matter how men look at you. you know, I got these people, they, they look at me. Let them look at you how you want. Your testimony into your future is going to tell them that you're not the same person that you were. Because when you come up out of that water, when you come up out of that water, your sins and everything connected with your past is gone. It no longer exists. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at you the way you were. He doesn't look at you as the liar. He doesn't look at you as the cheater. He doesn't look at you as the thief. He doesn't look at you of anything that is connected with your past. When he looks at you, he sees you through a veil of the blood. That means the blood that that washed away your sin is what he sees through. Therefore, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood that washed away your sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, somebody ought to thank God for the blood this morning. You ought to thank God for the blood that washed you. You ought to thank God for the blood that cleansed you and saved you. So at repentance, you're forgiven. At baptism, your sins are remitted. God now declares you clean by the blood of Jesus. Leprosy was a type of sin. Men who had leprosy had to be cleansed. The blood cleanses and removes leprosy being a type of sin. It's a a complete typology in Scripture. If you read through that, you will see how the the blood of Jesus cleanses and washes away and removes that sin. And then... That same text, Acts chapter 2, 
that I talked about a few moments ago when Peter stood and he said, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And he ended that verse by saying, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then verse 39 said, that's a promise. It said, for the promise of the Holy Ghost is to you, to your children, and to all them that are afar off, to their children, and to their children, and to their children. It does not matter what happened before you went down in water baptism, but when you come up out of water baptism, everything that is associated with your past is behind you. Any generational thing that you have brought with you, you, you because your dad did this, you feel like you have to, hey, that's over with. You are born again a new creature. Old things are passed away. Now the promise of the Holy Ghost is for me, for my children, and for their children too. There is nothing about my future that is affected from, by my past when I have been buried with him in baptism and filled with his spirit. So the Holy Ghost is the spirit of God. I don't want to over-mysticize and make it something that it's not. The Holy Ghost is God's Spirit. It's not the third person in the Trinity like some would want you to believe. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. God is Spirit. The Holy Ghost is God's Spirit. They can't be divided. And so the Spirit of God or God's Spirit lives within you when you are filled with the Holy Ghost. That means when you repent, you empty your life out. You, you, you pour it all out. Everything from my past. Now I'm starting again. I'm, I'm starting a new life, but my new life is empty. And he washes away all the sin. It's all gone. People, people say, man, I feel lighter. I feel new. I feel like I have a fresh start. You have. But here's the thing. You need to fill that void. You need to fill that space. And it is the Holy Ghost that fills that void in your life. It is the Holy Ghost. It is what you need. It is the Spirit of God that is in you. He will lead you. He will guide you. When the enemy comes in, it is the Spirit of God that will give you the courage and the wisdom beyond your human capability and your willpower. The Spirit of God will say, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going back to being who I used to be, but I am a new creature. And so the Holy Ghost is God's Spirit working in you. Pastor, do you know you don't know where I came from. The Apostle Paul in the text that I have chosen and used today, the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul before it was changed. At the point of conversion, God even changed his name and said, your name's no longer going to be Saul, now it's going to be Paul. He was struck down by a light that came in and hit him before his conversion happened, before Paul was persuaded. Before he was persuaded to be a Christian, his old life, Apostle Paul begins to, te to testify. He was, he was telling Festus and he was telling the king and he said to them, hey, let me tell you who I was. He began to talk to them. He told them about his training at the school of Gamal, meaning he was a and he had been taught by the greatest professors in the greatest schools of the day. 
he became a chief among the Pharisees and, and then he began to persecute the Christians and he became a horrible man that was persecuting all of the Christians and then he talked about his conversion when the light came to him and everything changed in his in his life and it was his road uh, of Dema- on, on the road to Damascus experience and it blinded him and, and, and there was a healing and subsequent call to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And as Agrippa listened to him give his testimony of where he had come from and how bad his life was and now he's turned around and now he is standing before kings. Wow. The man that persecuted the Christians is now standing before kings telling the king, you too need this persuasion. You too need this conversion. Every week when I stand in this pulpit, I wonder whom God is speaking to as I bring forth the message. At that moment, God was speaking to the very heart of Agrippa. Just as I know that God has zeroed in and there's people, I could come tap some of you on the shoulder today because I feel the Holy Ghost so powerful. I know sometimes we think God's not moving if we're not clapping, standing, jumping, and, and, and being Pentecostal. Uh, but I want you to know that God has honed in on some hearts this morning. He's tapping some people on the arm today and he's saying, it's you, it's you, it's my time, it's my moment. I, I, I know, I know. And just as sure as I know that, the apostle Paul knew and he said King Agrippa I know you're persuaded but Agrippa instead of saying you're right Paul he said close I was almost persuaded his heart was touched by the power of the Holy Ghost in the message that Paul brought forth Agrippa was as close to heaven at that moment in life than he would ever be for all eternity. For a few brief moments, God was reaching out to Agrippa in one great attempt to save Agrippa's soul. The Holy Ghost was tugging at the heart of Agrippa and he was being called to a point of repentance. God was using Paul to reach for Agrippa all in an attempt to save him. He was a a king, but yet his soul was lost. It doesn't matter what background you come from. Every man needs the salvation of the Lord. This was a last-ditch effort, once-in-a-lifetime effort, to reach King Agrippa so noteworthy that it was written in the pages of the Holy Scripture. The question is, would King Agrippa hear the word of the Lord that came forth and Paul preached? Would he obey the call of God in his life? His eternal soul was hanging in the balance during Paul's sermon that day. Paul was hoping that his testimony would have a powerful effect upon King Agrippa. Somehow Paul knew that Agrippa believed all that he understood, that he knew the truth. But the question was, would Agrippa surrender to Christ? Sadly, the answer came. At the end of Paul's testimony, 
The words of Agrippa have rang out to the generations that have gone since. Almost, Paul, almost, I was persuaded. Almost, what a terrible word that is in the fullest meaning applied to salvation of a soul. Almost so close to heaven and yet never to see its wonderful glory. Almost, Agrippa said, almost so near to the love and mercy of God. Almost so close that they could reach out and touch the Lord's nail-scarred hand and yet never feel his warm embrace. Almost, he was one decision away from the pathway to heaven and eternal life. What was it that kept, kept Agrippa from making the right choice that day? What was it that kept King Agrippa from being fully persuaded? I wish I knew. As I close this message this morning, I want every one of us in this room and those who may be listening online. I want each of us to examine our own heart today. Does the love of God draw you to Him? When you see the incredible price that He paid, without being asked, He walks up Calvary's hill is nailed to an old rugged cross and shed his life's blood so that one drop of his life's blood could be administered to your life after you repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus and are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Does the love of God draw you this morning? Does the heart of this pastor show through enough to persuade you? Or do the things of this world and the love of this world scream too loudly in our hearts so that we cannot hear the voice of God that is calling your name this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed right where you sit today. Do we desire the Lord or do we desire the things of this world? Are you persuaded? Will you sit through a service like today and never truly give your heart and life to the Lord? Will you be another almost persuaded or will you make the decision now? I'm going to ask all of our altar workers to walk to the front first this morning. Everyone could stand with me keeping your heads bowed and eyes closed and all of our altar workers and ministers gathering across the front face of the congregation this morning. Does the love of God draw you today? Your salvation is hanging in the balance. If you're almost persuaded, I want you to ask God to give you the courage. I'm going to pray for you right now where you stand. 
Father, I'm asking you right now to give every person in this building, God, I'm asking that you give us the courage to say yes to what you have spoken to this church today. God, I'm asking that your spirit begins drawing on every heart that is in this room, that there wouldn't be one almost, that every person would walk out of the doors of this building fully persuaded. God, you're calling men and women all over this room right now. God, give them the courage to make that right choice and right decision today. There are people gathered across the front of this room. They're ready to pray with you. They're ready to guide you and direct you and help you. If you don't know how to pray, you just make the decision to walk to the front of this room and they're going to pray with you. Everybody in this room is invited to join us now. If you're not sure, if you're not sure, I want you to be sure. I want you to be persuaded. I invite you now to step from where you are and walk to the front of this room. If there would be one ready to make a decision or dozens ready to make a decision, maybe some would like to recommit their life to the Lord today, afresh and anew. Step from where you are. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's watching you as you make that decision. Would there be some step to the front today and make that decision and declare, I'm persuaded. God bless these that are stepping forward this morning. God bless these that are stepping forward this morning. Would there be others join? Would there be others join? Church, would you just step from where you are? Ask your friend if they'd like to come forward. This is beautiful. Husbands and wives making their way to the front of this room. Friends walking together to the front of this room today. Oh, yes. Come on, leave here persuaded in your own mind today. Altar workers, give direction to each of them this morning. God is moving. We have time. We have room. Come on, don't regret not making the decision today. Walk to the front of this room. Let his blood wash fresh over you today. Maybe it's been a long time for somebody today. And you just want a refilling. You want a renewal. Would you just walk to the front of this room right now and let God do it in your life? I invite everybody to join us here today. Oh, yeah. Come on, church. Create an atmosphere for the Lord to work. Create an atmosphere for God to move today. Oh, yes. Everybody praying in the house right now. Everybody praying in the house right now. Let God speak to your heart. Let God speak to your heart. this house into a prayer room right now. Turn this house into a prayer room right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, 
open your heart to the Lord right now all over this building. make this house a place of prayer right now all over this building. Everybody seeking the Lord all over the room right now. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, Lord. together right now. Seek him right now. Oh, yes. Some have made a decision to be baptized this morning. If you would like to be baptized, let someone know. We'll be glad to baptize you this morning. We already have one preparing for baptism, others preparing. Make that decision today. God is calling. God is calling. God is speaking today. God is speaking today.
Come on, let it be your prayer song today.